Welcome viewers to another episode of Purple Ponderings with Pankaj. And today we have Sean Harper from Kin. Uh, very happy to have him as he's also a fellow Chicagoan. Uh, Sean, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Sean, so for offers, for those people who may not have heard of Kin or um, and don't know you personally, do you mind taking a few minutes and just sort of giving an introduction and some background to, to yourself and your company? Yeah, Kin is a technology company um, that operates as a full stack insurer. Uh, you know, we're one of the few insurance tech companies that have done that where we control our customer acquisition, we control our technology, we also control our own balance sheet. Um, we're also unique in that we only operate in areas that are catastrophe exposed. And of the $100 billion U.S. home insurance market, about $40 billion of that are uh, hurricane and flood exposed, and about 10 or a little bit more than 10, but growing really fast, are wildfire exposed. So it's actually about half of the market is cat exposed, catastrophe exposed. And a lot of the big well-known carriers are either not operating in those markets or trying to leave those markets. Uh, we think that our tech gives us a big advantage, especially uh, because we're able to use a lot of data to target the customers and homes that are more resilient to the weather. Uh, and so we really only focus on that half of the market, which is a little bit counterintuitive. And uh, we've been doing this for a little bit, but it's actually like three and a half years now. And we started as just a tech company and then we became an MGA. And then this last summer we formed an insurance company. And uh, that's, that's Kin in a nutshell. We're uh, a little bit more than 100 people. We're located in Chicago and in St. Petersburg, Florida. Fantastic. And, uh, we're growing very fast now. Fantastic. And congratulations. I just want to let everyone know that uh, Kin did close a recent round of funding, right? That was your Series uh, B, right? Yeah, we closed an interesting transaction this summer. Um, it was like a three-part transaction. It included a pretty small equity raise, about $10 million. And a surplus note raised, which is about $35 million. That was to create our insurance entity. You need an initial capitalization to start an insurance company. It's one of the hardest things about starting an insurance company. And then the third thing was we got uh, regulatory approval for the insurance company, the Kin Inter Insurance Network. And uh, so we did that all. It, it was announced in uh, July, which is about when we finished it. And uh, yeah, it was very exciting. Yeah, fantastic. It's a, it's a amazing journey that you're on so far. It's, you know, what's fascinating is that you've, you know, you talked about starting as a tech company then moving to an MGA and now you're a you know, full service carrier. Um, if I may ask, um, you know, this seems to be at least not the, uh, you know, this journey seems to be one which a lot of the insurtechs are now sort of uh, falling up. What do you think is driving more, more uh, a lot of the insurtechs to just go on this uh, a similar journey? I think the biggest is just the need to move quickly. Um, so for us, there were three, three reasons uh, why we needed to make the change. And the first was uh, we needed control and stability. 
And as an MGA, or even worse, as a retail agent, you don't really have any control or stability. You can sort of get turned off whenever you want. And for us, we're investing tens of millions of dollars in our lives. You know, there's a big opportunity cost there. We really can't afford to get turned off or have the deal renegotiated or have to change. Uh, we need stability. Uh, the second is MGAs are very expensive. So to do uh, it, to to operate as an MGA, we believe is six or seven percentage points more expensive than operating as a carrier, which is it doesn't sound like that much. I was like, oh, it's five or six percent, but actually it's huge because of the hundred percent that's available. 70% in home insurance is spent paying claims. So the other 30% is the addressable expense ratio. So a 6% increase is actually like, that's a really big deal. It's like 20% uh, added to your cost structure. Right. It's especially important for us because a big part of what we're doing is making insurance with a lower cost structure. So for me to pay an extra 6% is actually more like a 60% increase in my cost structure, which is, is not good. And then the third one, and this is really the most important, but maybe the least obvious, is uh, we can move very fast. Our tech allows us to move fast. Our marketing, the way we can get customers, allows us to move fast. The analytical capabilities on our team allows us to move fast. And having a you know, legacy company or even multiple legacy companies involved in our day-to-day decision-making where we have to go and ask them permission, basically, if we want to try something new, makes it really, really hard to deliver on what we're trying to do. So those are the three reasons. It's obviously huge investment, so we thought really hard about doing it before we did it. Uh, but in, in the end, it's it's worth it. You know, it's been sort of night and day between uh, before we had the carrier and now. We're just moving faster. Our unit economics are a lot better, so I could spend more on marketing. Um, and we're able to solve problems for the customer that we just couldn't solve before. Got it, got it. I guess the other part of the the cost angle that you mentioned is now you can pass it on to your customers, right? So the value prop also improves, I guess, for them too. Um, that way. So awesome. So you 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 know this this podcast is all about you know you know while we talk about IoT and its impact and its use within insurance, I kind of broadly also look at all the other emerging technologies as well, right? And I, you could imagine uh, in the insurance world, I, I'm going to say artificial intelligence, machine learning is also emerging technology, even though in the, you know, I guess the regular world, they may not see that. But uh, just wanted to have you just talk about from your perspective, because you're not from the industry, right? You, you, you sort of uh, started Kin, if I understand correctly, um, without having an insurance background, right? So you came in and and you made a made, you know made a made a made a made a, a big impression. But technology is you know behind uh, or is the foundation for what you do. So just talk to us a little bit about how you think about all these new technologies that are coming at us so fast, and how is it that you're able to you know deal with that in a way that's beneficial to both you and your customers. Yeah, so Lucas, my co-founder, and I started, uh, we're not, we are new to insurance. Well, long, long ago, when we were management consultants, we did a lot of work for insurance companies. Uh, we never started an insurance company or run an insurance company, but we had started other financial services companies. So my last one was a payment processor. 
And actually, the the way these industries operate is pretty similar. Like if you look at lending, if you look at payments, that's true. Insurance, yeah. There are many things that are different, but there are also a lot of things that are the same. And I think that to the extent that some of those other industries have actually evolved a lot faster, like payments is a great example, it is the fastest moving area of, of fintech. It was sort of the original area of fintech. Mm-hmm. It creates a really good roadmap for insurance to follow. And so one thing that got us really excited about this was doing something in a, in a new industry, but one that had a lot of similarities to an area where we had been successful before. The other thing that's kind of cool is this is the IoT podcast. So the um, uh, Lucas and I actually got excited about insurance because of IoT. And we were doing this interim gig where we were running products and engineering for after we'd sold our last companies. We were running products and engineering on an interim basis for uh, Brinks Home Security, which is you know, oh. one, of the, one of the biggest home uh, you know, monitoring companies. And we were just looking at it, we are like, gosh, it's, if you really did the gear right, you could actually, it seems like you could prevent a lot of bad things from happening to your home. Like, there's got to be an insurance angle here. And we looked at what the insurance companies were doing. They're giving maybe a 5% discount or something like that. And it just didn't, it wasn't enough. Uh, and so that's what really got us started noodling about home insurance. So that's why we eventually started Ken. Got it, got it. So, so, um, so, so it looks like obviously IoT was of interest to you. So, what's your perspective now? And you know, how does it? Um, do you use IoT in your current operations? What are your thoughts there? Um, we are very optimistic about IoT. Uh, you know, and and really not just IoT, we, we believe that there will be a rebundling that happens in the historically insurance, you bought all your insurance that you needed from an insurance company just because they happen to be an insurance company. But really the, the data and the expertise and everything that you need to do pet insurance versus home insurance versus renters insurance versus auto insurance is totally different. Cars and homes are not at all the same. They're completely different. One rolls around, and the other is in, in one place. Uh, so I think that what's going to happen is you're going to start with guys like us who become very good at, at doing just home, for example, and then we'll begin to bundle in other products that aren't other insurance products but that are really relevant to the home. And that's where I think IoT starts to come in because, you know, first of all, there's a huge marketing cost that IoT companies especially the sort of more legacy monitoring type companies have, like APT, for example. And and there's also a huge marketing cost that comes from insurance. There's also a huge marketing cost that comes from most home services, tree trimming, for example. Half of the cost when you get your trees trimmed isn't the guy on the ladder. It's all the overhead and marketing and stuff that goes uh, goes into getting customers. It's the yellow pages ads. So I think the future of home insurance, if you go if you fast forward five years from now, is it's really much more of like a fundamental part of owning the home, and it takes care of lots of things for you. It takes care of fixing things when something goes bad. It takes care of making it easier to have maintenance done. It takes care of monitoring your home to make sure bad things don't happen. Uh, it takes care of um, who knows? Maybe it takes care of uh, filing your property tax appeals, and it's really more of an important part of the home. And you'll ask at the end of the day, like, do you have kin with your home? 
oh no, you don't have kin with your home? That's crazy. Like it makes your life so much easier in so many different ways. It's much more than just insurance. Um, so that's sort of where we're aiming. And IoT is really exciting because, you know, it's there every day with you in the home, <laughs> which home insurance isn't, right? Like we hear from our customers, I don't know, once a year maybe. Uh, and, and to have that, that permanence of an interaction, I think would be really nice. Yeah, I think one of the things that excited me, especially to get into the IoT part, was this whole new proposition where you could engage with the customer post them buying the policy or renewing the policy and pre-claims, right? So between those two events, there was really just no reason for anyone to engage. And I think uh, uh, the opportunity for an insurance company to now be positioned as a service provider, right? Uh, property service provider, for example, in the home case is a very, uh, very interesting one. Um, yeah, but it's a really hard one because if you look at you know, your average insurance company in the United States was started sometime between 1900 and 1930. And the world is, they, they were not built for a world that moves as fast as this one does. Our, move, our world moves increasingly faster every year. Where people live moves faster. People are moving more than they ever have before. The weather is changing faster than it has before. As you, you know, warm the surface of the planet, technology is moving like crazy. Uh, you know, it's, it's moving so fast that the speed and capability and ubiquity of, of IoT devices is decreasing at, at a really, really fast pace. Um, so I think it's going to be really hard for a lot of insurance companies to, to do that. They don't see themselves as service providers. They see themselves as managing a balance sheet. Which is where I think that that's one of the advantages, I guess, I see with a lot of the insure techs, right? One of the reasons why a lot of companies like yourself have taken off is because I think the customers, right, the end customers, the homeowners, the car owners, individuals, I think, are looking for a different experience, right? And they have different set of expectations for the value that they've been receiving so far. Um, you know, I, I got to, this is a complete segue and this is not planned, but I want to ask you, um, there is a conference every week about insure tech and insurance. The part that fascinates me is that all of them, and no matter who is doing it, I mean, whether it's as 50 people or 8,000 people, it's sold out. And yet we see the incumbents, especially like the pace of change is still not as much as we would like to see, right? So how do you explain this from your perspective? Uh, they're, they're separate but related phenomena. Um, insurance tech is huge and will become increasingly huge because insurance is huge and everything is tech. Insurance is a huge part of the GDP, of the, of the whole economy insurance makes up a shockingly large percentage. And every industry, whether it's autos or airplanes or apartment buildings or food or insurance is getting impacted by tech. Like you can't, you can't like the highest market cap auto manufacturer is now Tesla tech company. You can't, you can't escape it. Um, so that's, that's why the conferences are sold out. Why there's so many is because still insurance under indexes, its share of like investment dollars is way less than its share of the, of the GDP. But, Incumbent, like innovation is never pushed by incumbent providers. That's not their job. Their job is to be stable. 
their job is to keep doing what they've been doing for 80 years. Um, you know, it's very hard for them, them to change, and it's not what they're good at. So capitalism works best when you have free entry. It's actually the only time that capitalism works. And the, the reality is it's too hard to start an insurance company. It took us a really long time and tens of millions of dollars to start what is still a very small insurance company. Um, so you, you need, if, if you're going to have real innovation, you need uh, competitive uh, forces acting on in the industry. Otherwise, there's no reason to change. Just keep doing it the way you did it last year. It'll be fine. You'll still make money. Um, and so I, I think that we all need to look at ways that we can create the infrastructure, uh, you know, tech, financial, and legal to enable, uh, to make it easier to start an insurance company. And if we do that, then you'll see the industry actually really evolve fast. Um, if the, you know, even now, it seems like there's a lot of activity going on, but home insurance is a $100 billion industry. And you have three meaningful VC-backed companies that are doing anything at all related to it. Uh, and a handful of other ones that you know didn't make it or haven't made it yet. Uh, you should see, I don't know, I'd like to, I think you could see a 10 every year getting started. And it would still be fine. They'd all they'd all have their own angle, and uh, and and it would be really healthy for the industry. Not everything would work, but you know we'd learn from the stuff that doesn't work, and it would it would actually create a really healthy pressure on the incumbents that doesn't exist right now. Got it. Yeah, the power of status quo is just too strong right now. Even though I think uh, they're thinking about it and coming to these uh, conferences, so. Um, if there was one thing about um, making IoT or the connected home, uh, you know, sort of mainstream in the industry from your perspective, like one uh, barrier that you could magically with superpowers remove, what what do you think is the one thing that would make a big impact? Um. I think that it should be that, that you should not need as much capital to start an insurance company. And I think that the requirement of an insurance license uh, is, is uh, really problematic. You know, if you are backed by a sufficient amount of capital and by a sufficient amount of reinsurance, you should be able to get an insurance license more or less automatically. Um, you know, it, it took us a year to get licensed, and that was actually, you know, as, as a carrier, getting licensed as an agent was easy. It, getting, it took us a year to get licensed as a carrier, and I do think that's too long. Uh, you know, it, it, it creates this uh, really problematic situation where there aren't that many investors who want to back you to sit around for a year or maybe for a license to come through. Got it. So availability of cap capital. Yeah, that that I guess that goes goes to your earlier point too, right? That uh, from three, maybe you know the industry could e easily go to thirty. You know, new insure techs kind of coming in and challenging the uh, challenging the incumbents. Yeah, so. I think so. You know, and I, I think the regulators in this industry do a really great job of looking out for the consumers. That's awesome. Um, and I do think sometimes they get. God, they, they don't take enough uh, consideration of the um, side effects. Like, you, you want to regulate heavily because you want 
the companies to come to be stable and, and you know, uh, durable. But if you make it too hard to get started, uh, you know, then you never get the incubation. You never get the competitive forces that keep everybody else honest. I think there's probably a, a different way to do it where you have a lower bar for very small companies to get started. And that allows them to innovate on a small scale. And then as they grow, you could have increasingly strict regulations. Um, I, th I think that that might, might be something along those lines might help. Got it. Got it. Cool. All right. Um, you know, in your journey so far, if I were to ask you what's been your proudest achievement and also the biggest learning over these last three to four years, what comes to your mind? Um, this is a boring answer. I'm, I'm really proud of uh, how much our customers are happy with their service. If you go and look at our online reviews, they're nearly perfect. And the name of the company is Can. You know, we it's named after family. Like this is a something we take very seriously. We we want to treat our customers so well that they consider us, you know, like part of their family. And uh, if you go look at most insurance companies, their reviews are are not very good. Uh, and so so I'm I'm really proud of that. You know, it's it's uh, it's early days yet, but we're committed to having. You know, every every customer be really happy with us and want to stay a customer of life for life. Uh, so that's what I'm proud of. Um, things that I learned. Uh, I've I've actually been really so. One thing I learned that that may be surprising is that when I started this company, I'm 39. So I'm like borderline millennial, and I started this company pretty sure that I was starting it for people my age and younger. And it turns out that the average age of our customers is in their early 50s. And a lot of people find that surprising. It probably shouldn't be surprising because that's actually the age of a homeowner. That's the average age of somebody who owns a home. Uh, it's like, it's like early 50s. You know, well, there aren't that many 20 year olds that own homes, obviously. That's not what they're doing. They're in college. Yeah. Uh, so, but it, you know, the other thing that I learned along this is, is actually like older people all use the internet all the time for everything. Like, you know, my dad is a good example. He's in his mid 60s and he's just a sort of normal guy. He's never been to his bank. And he doesn't understand why there are three State Farm agencies literally on his street in his town. That doesn't make any sense to him. Uh, so, so yeah, that, that I found really surprising is the, the demographics. Yeah, I think it's a little, little bit of a counterintuitive too, right? If you think about it, hey, 50, so maybe not that tech savvy. But if you think about it, what, what, what you and, you know, people like you have done is you've used technology to make it really easy, right? That's what it is. It's just... Now so easy uh, that uh, even a 50-year-old person who maybe is only on internet because they're on Facebook, right? Um, an app that my kid tells me they're, you know, they, they cringe <laughs> when they talk about Facebook. Yeah, no, that's definitely part of it. Like, it is hard. Like, it takes a lot of tech to make it simple. If you look at, like, the online insurance from, like, 10 years ago, like the early insurance site, it was like questions and questions and questions. It was so complicated, nobody would ever do it. Um, 
so that is part of it is us getting better and making things easy. But you know, the other thing is like people in their fifties, like find find me a sixty year old that doesn't have a Vanguard account. Like good luck. Every, everybody is a Vanguard or Fidelity account. Uh, you know, in their, whether they're sixty or seventy. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe not if he goes to the nineties, but but this is just a thing that people do. They they transact online because it's easier. The other thing is like older people actually know more. Right. So like five year fifty five year old shopping for home insurance, he's like, Yeah, I know exactly what I need. I'm looking for this and I'm looking for this and I just want to get it. Like I don't need some guy explaining it to me. I know what I want. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a great point. Uh, all right, so we're now coming towards the um, last part of our segment, which is knowing Sean a little bit more. So let me start with asking you, uh, what do you read, right? I know, I'm, I know you're working super day and night, but uh, the publications that you read, podcasts, you know, books. Um, yeah, I read, I like, I read the news just like everyone else. Um, I really like reading sci-fi books. Usually, if you see me reading a book, it's not about business stuff. It's I do that all day. <laughs> you know, I'm uh, I'm trying to think about other stuff that's not my day to day work. And I, I love sci fi because you know it's it, it's really good at imagining what's possible or what could be possible. I think if you look at some of the sci fi books that were written in you know the mid 1900s, like a lot of them actually were very prescient. Absolutely, you know, my favorite show growing up was Star Trek. And I even to this day, whatever we saw in the 80s, which was futuristic at that time, has all come true, right? In 30 years, so a lot of it, yeah, it's, it's cool. all except for beam me up, except for that part. Everything you know, speaking on the watch and communications. I mean, all of that has been proven to be, yeah, it's all uh, you know. They all had that foresight. Cool. Um, who is there? Anyone that you think you would want to hear from? on this podcast? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'd be interested in hearing from the, uh, like uh, like somebody from like Nest or from Apple uh, HomeKit. I think that would be really interesting. The, you know, IoT groups at the big platform companies, how they're thinking about it. Got it, got it. Yeah, so basically um, the Apple HomeKit or the AWS guys, right? So they keep coming up with protocols as well as Nest or Google. All right, got it. All right, so with this very last section, Sean, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, this is my favorite part, uh, just having some fun. I'm going to take and give you two options and you're going to decide and tell me which option you like and why. Um, so starting off with baseball or football? Football. Why? I'm a football guy. I don't. Lucas, my co-founder, is a baseball guy. I'm a football guy. Okay. Well, Superman or Spider-Man? Uh, I like Spider-Man because he's a scientist. Okay, got it. Um, World CrossFit Games or Iron Man? CrossFit. Sorry, I got a phone. Um, CrossFit. I'm I'm a I like I I'm addicted to CrossFit. I love it. Got it. Yeah, you you could have easily, you know, you, you mistaken for for an ice a guy from Iceland, right? So I watched some of these World CrossFit games, and it's just amazing what that country brings. And you look exactly like one of them from 
from that country. But uh, all right, paper books or ebooks? I only do ebooks. I I read them on my phone. I just like to carry a lot of stuff. Got it. Got it. Iron Man or Captain America? Iron Man. Same. He's an inventor. I love the inventors. Yep. Scarlett Johansson or Penelope Cruz? This is my favorite part. I want to know. <laughs> I'm going to stick with the superhero thing, and I'm so excited about the Black Widow movie. Black uh, so I'm going to have to say Scarlett Johansson. Got it. Got it. Cool. Well, um, that's about it from us, uh, Sean. This was fun. This is good. Uh, good exchanges. Are there any uh, last words you want to share with our viewers? No, I can't think of anything. Thank you for having me on. Fantastic. Thank you, Sean. And uh, all right, we'll see you again on another episode of Purple Ponderings. This is Pankaj signing off.